I'm Cass. I'm Sarah. And I'm Danielle, and we are three second-year veterinary students at Colorado State University. This has been a rather rough few months here in Fort Collins due to the explosion of the Cameron Peak Fire to the west, as well as the Mullen Fire to the north and the East Troublesome Fire to the southwest. From August through much of October, there were days where it looked like dusk at noon, and the air quality was so bad that you had to hold your breath when moving between indoor spaces. Even on better days, the average was an air quality described as hazardous for sensitive groups, and outdoor exercise was limited. As vet students with an interest in equine medicine, we began to wonder what the smoke was doing not only to human athletes, but to the horses in the area. Today, we want to talk to you about wildfire smoke's impacts on our equine companions and how we can best take care of our equine athletes both now and in future fire seasons. Welcome to VetCast, Veterinary Climate Action and Sustainability Talks, the podcast created by veterinary students at Colorado State University focused on the impacts of climate change on animal health. Twenty twenty has been an incremental year in the wildfire activity across the country, with Colorado being one of the states highly affected as it's seen its three largest fires this year. Back in June, Arizona had a run of wildfires as well, specifically Tucson's Bighorn Fire, which was about 43 miles away from central Tucson. Similarly, Colorado's Cameron Peak Fire, being the biggest fire in the state's history, is about 43 miles from Fort Collins. Both fires have been recorded to rain ash on the surrounding cities. In order to better understand this issue, we spoke with Dr. Katie Sebaugh, an equine sports medicine veterinarian at Colorado State University, and Dr. Carlo Lambana, an equine veterinarian in Tucson, Arizona. Both Dr. Sebaugh and Dr. Lambana have been similarly interested in the effects of wildfire smoke on horses across the western part of the United States, and have some thoughts on how we can do better managing our equine athletes during the fire seasons. But before we get into it, let's talk a little bit about the anatomy of a horse's respiratory system and why particulate inhalation, especially regarding smoke, is such a problem for our equine athletes. The anatomy of equine lungs is pretty similar to most mammals. The air takes a path starting at the nose. It comes in through the nostrils, passes through the nasal cavity where it's warmed and humidified, and then passes through the pharynx and larynx on its way to the trachea. The trachea has a big tube which passes down the neck and into the chest. It then splits into bronchi, and each tube splits further and further into smaller tubes, uh, so our bronchioles, until they reach the grape cluster-shaped sacs called the alveoli. This is where oxygen in the air is exchanged for carbon dioxide in the blood. As you can imagine, if there are any blockages in these tubes, or if there's a bunch of mucus being produced, it's going to be harder to breathe and harder to get enough oxygen. Now, the lungs are split up into multiple parts called lobes. In the horse, things are pretty simple. For each lung, they have a cranial lobe towards their heads, a caudal lobe towards their tails, and just on the right side, they have an accessory lobe. This is an internal structure to the lungs, and it's based on how the bronchi, you know, those tubes that split off the trachea, separate from there. This can be pretty important when we think about how stuff comes into the lungs with air. This stuff can be particles or particulates, like smoke or dust. It can also be bacteria. This stuff comes into the lungs via the air, which we call erogenous portal of entry. So air and erogenous. Because this stuff, the particulates and the bacteria, are heavier than air, they tend to end up in certain parts of the lungs because they sink as they move 
through the trachea and the bronchial tubes. So as you might expect, they kind of sink so they don't get too far back and they end up closer to the chest. So they end up in the cranioventral portions of the lungs, cranial towards the head and ventral towards the belly and chest, which face the ground in horses. There are also smooth muscles, small muscle bands, uh, which are wrapped around the different tubes and air passages in the lungs. These muscles can constrict or relax, and they change the diameter of the tubes when they do. They don't just do so randomly, though. They can be told by the body to constrict, or they might constrict in response to environmental signals, just like some people have a hard time breathing when it's really dusty, for example. A couple of these factors that cause constriction include histamine and leukotrienes, although there are many more. Histamine might sound familiar. It can show up during allergic reactions. Constriction of the airways in horses can lead to asthma, inflammatory airway disease, or even a condition called heaves, or more scientifically, recurrent airway obstruction. The body has some ways to relax the muscles too, and we as veterinarians have some medications which can be used to do the same thing. The drugs activate beta-2 receptors and cause the muscles to relax, which increases the diameter of the airways and makes it much easier to breathe. Other things can also make breathing difficult without the muscles being involved. These can include lots of mucus in the airways, the mucus is generally protective, as the mucus is sticky and it traps gunk trying to get into our lungs, and then the, the cells lining our airways can then push the mucus with its trapped gunk out of the lungs, up and out. So horses are the same way. They have that too. Um, but when too much mucus is made, that can be a problem. It can make it hard to breathe by blocking parts of the airways. Also, sometimes the things that are breathed in can damage the moving cells, and then the mucus is stuck and it can just build up. There are immune cells in the lungs to protect the animal from invaders like bacteria. These cells include neutrophils, which are nonspecific and tend to go after bacteria. There are also basophils and eosinophils, which target bigger things like parasites and things like dust and smoke particles, things that aren't alive. These cells are part of the immune response when animals breathe things in that shouldn't be there. But when they're attacking the invading stuff, they can also do damage to the tissue and make breathing harder for the animal in the meantime, because with inflammation, you get swelling. Veterinarians can take samples of the mucus and other gunk in the lungs of horses and figure out what's going on based on what shows up in the sample and what doesn't. Dr. Seabaugh explains this technique further. What we will typically do is a bronchial alveolar lavage, which samples the cellular contents of the um, lungs. We kind of put fluid down and then draw that back out. Um, and look for increased uh, inflammatory cells and even particulates. You can find that some of the cells will um, um, kind of eat um, particulate that's within those lungs. And so that's really our best way of determining asthma or uh, you know, poor air quality related changes. Besides bronchoalveolar lavage, there are currently not a lot of great ways to quantify the changes that occur in the horse's respiratory performance. What we do know is based off of human models being extrapolated to horses. Horses have an incredible lung capacity and uh, when we look at like VO2 max which measures fitness our elite equine athletes far exceed VO2 max of um, our human athletes and so we already know that there are um, risks or concerns for human athletes that are running in poor air quality or exercising in poor air quality and so we must therefore extrapolate that, that those same effects are happening to horses as well. We just 
can't quite um, quantify them as easily. So with what little we have to go off of, what does the research tell us about smoke inhalation in horses? Well, currently, there isn't much out there. But between using what we do know about other inhaled particulates, such as dust, we can begin to get an idea of what may be going on. There's a recent paper titled Efficacy of Dexamethasone, Salbutamol, and Reduced Respirable Particulate Concentration on Aerobic Capacity in Horses with Smoke-Induced Mild Asthma by Bond et al., which looks at the effects of wildfire smoke inhalation in polo horse athletes and analyzes possible treatment options. The area that the horses were in was near a wildfire, so there's a whole bunch of smoke in the air, resulting in smoke exposure, and this caused the horses to cough and decrease the horse's athletic performance, which, you know, is pretty much what we'd expect. The authors measured the horse's aerobic capacity during the experiment by fitting masks with oxygen sensors in the masks over the horse's noses, and they took samples of the mucus and cells in the horse's lungs via bronchoalveolar lavage to see what was going on in the horse's lungs due to the smoke. The horses had increased mucus production due to smoke inhalation, and there were several immune cell populations present. These included neutrophils, are nonspecific cells that usually target bacteria, but can also be present with general inflammation. There were also basophils and eosinophils, which are expected, you know, since smoke contains particulates and these cells target big things like particulates and parasites. The experiment started out on the first day that air quality improved, and the authors tested different treatment options, which they hoped would decrease the immune cells and inflammation in the horse's lungs, which was making it difficult for the horses to breathe and giving them mild asthma. There were four treatment groups. One received only dexamethasone, which is a glucocorticoid which can decrease the horse's immune responses. A second group received only salbutamol, which is a beta-2 receptor agonist and helps relax the muscles around the airways. This is similar to drugs in asthmatic inhalers. We call them bronchodilators. The third group received both drugs, and the fourth group received only a saline vapor treatment. This last one is the control group. It doesn't include an actual drug treatment, but it keeps things consistent because this way all the horses received an inhalation. The results of the experiment showed that there really wasn't any improvement in the horse's immune response. The drugs didn't really dampen down the response or improve it. The bronchodilators did seem to improve the horse's aerobic capacity while they were exercising, but these drugs don't help modulate the immune response in the first place. Just hopefully make it a little easier to get air into the lungs since the diameter of the airways is increased. Bronchodilators also don't help much when the horses are not exercising. A little change in the airway diameter makes a big difference when the horse is exercising and using lots of oxygen, but when the horse is just standing around, the horse can get enough oxygen even if its airways are a little constricted. The biggest thing which seemed to help was multiple days of improving air quality. Removing smoke from the air showed the biggest improvement across all treatment groups as the number of basophils and eosinophils went down. The neutrophil population stayed at the same level though. It should also be noted that smoke inhalation in general can cause problems with mucus clearance, resulting in more mucus, like I said above. So when the air quality improved, the horses were better able to clear the mucus from their lungs and thus they could breathe easier. That's the big takeaway from this paper, that the biggest improvement in breathing for the horses came when the smoke went away and the air quality improved. Some of the drugs, like the bronchodilators, 
They can help a little during exercise, but improvements in air quality and avoiding smoke inhalation in the first place are really the most important. The Bond et al. paper is essentially all the data we currently have on the effects of chronic low-level smoke inhalation in horses. Most of what else we do know has been extrapolated from data collected on horses in dusty environments. Dr. Lombana explains the effects of the combined respiratory threats of dust and heat seen in Arizona horses versus the effects of smoke that Colorado horses have seen in the last few months. Back to kind of that notion of like the particulate form um, and the size of like those inhaled particulates from smoke versus from dust. So if you think about even like a tiny grain of sand versus like a a micron diameter soot particulate, um, we don't tend to have a lot of horses have like inhaled respiratory disorders straight from like dust storms. That being said, horses get terrible inflammation from their eyes and their nose, like their upper airways, even up to like their larynx and trachea to a certain degree um, through some of the dustier times. I would say it's more like upper airway conjunctivitis and then it's usually aggravated by the heat or from the flies um, getting habernemas and summer sores and stuff like that, you know, corners of their mouth or their third eyelids is more of an issue with the dust than it is like primary pneumonia or lung concerns. Um, if anything, maybe the dryness here combined with the higher level of allergens, most people don't recognize. I know you do because you lived here. Any state with high levels of allergens can have negative respiratory effects on horses. Allergens in the desert Southwest are huge because something is always blooming and um, all of our domestic species are really prone to it. And, you know, including me, I hate allergies. So the science behind this is interesting, but what does this mean for our management practices in the equine athlete, both at an environmental and an exercise level? There are many ways to reduce the level of pollutants that our horses are exposed to. Dr. Lombana gives a few examples that can be used universally to prevent particulates from getting into our horse's lungs. So yeah, D Dusty Barn is a huge one, I think, across the board, like nationally and probably internationally, right? So just making sure that your animal's got good ventilation. If they're having respiratory issues or they're coughing, kind of notice when they are coughing. Listen to, oh man, they seem to cough every time I feed. Well, is that because you're, dr you're dumping like dry, dusty hay into like a confined feeder that they have to stick their head down into and they get kind of more inhaled dust and pathogens simply as they're eating. If that's the case, you know, hang a hay net or clean out your feeder or feed on flat mats and stuff out of the dust. Um, here in Arizona, everybody tends to feed on the ground in the sand. So we always encourage people to feed on mats or in buckets or feeders that kind of are a little bit more open to reduce that. You know, if that's wetting down your dry matter, that can make a lot of difference. Just having better ventilation, like opening doors or windows or screens and stuff like that. Feeding outside, um, a lot of folks and stuff, it's nice, you know, you pull your horses in from pasture and you put them in their nice stall. They're like warm for the evening. Well, just feed them outside. Then they're not going to be, you know, if they have respiratory issues, opening windows is important. Um, the other thing too is this is just making sure that they have plenty of access to cool, clean water all the time. If they get dehydrated and they have a primary lung problem, it just makes it that much harder because it allows those particulates to embed in their lung tissue if they're not as moist as they could be. So ensuring that horses are appropriately hydrated and have good access to cool, clean water is really important. And in Colorado, making sure that it's not frozen. In addition to environmental factors, 
There are things to look at in regards to the exercise level and occupation of the horse. The first thing that we should look at is what the horse does as a career. You know, so our racehorses are certainly, I think, at the highest risk because they're using so much of their lung and it's, um, but it also is over a shorter period of time, right? The horses are going to breathe hard for a minute to a minute and a half and then hopefully adjust. Whereas, um, you know, I think eventing horses, um, our high level or eventers are at very high risk because not only are they galloping, but they're um, having exertion as they jump the fences. Um, so I, I would actually put them at almost greater risk, um, at least the higher levels. But even our younger or our lower level horses, too, you know, it has to do with their fitness level, too, how they're going to have air exchange and adapt to exertion. So I really think at any level, because if you take your unfit horse and take them out for a ride, they may actually have to breathe harder um, and faster than your horse that is more fit that's going on a light ride. So um, I do think it can affect all horses and all disciplines. And a lot of it just has to do with their fitness and their lung capacity. And what we don't know too is what's worse, one day of exertion or um, you know a week long of low grades changes or low level exertion. That's information we just don't know. Because of all these different factors, each horse is going to react differently to smoke exposure based on fitness, amount and intensity of work, and biological differences between individuals. This can make it a bit tricky to figure out what's okay in terms of exercise and what's not. There are, however, some guidelines that can be found just by looking at air quality. So the 100 to 150 is orange. Like I really don't think we should be working our horses in that level. Um, so that's anything over 100 air, um, air quality index rating. But most of the time in the moderate range, we thought it was okay. Um, and um, it kind of just depended on the, how it looked, right, when you're out there. Seeing as the moderate range is a bit more of a gray area, how can horses still get the exercise and training they need during a show season or work season while keeping their lungs as safe as possible? Dr. Seaboss says the key lies in decreasing the time and intensity of workload. Right, if the horse is breathing hard, then that's too much, you know. So um, I'm not gonna, certainly not going to do, um, you know, gallop across the field type of things, or um, I'm going to shorten my um, exercise or recommend shorter shorter intervals with more rest breaks or more walk breaks to try and uh, reduce that increased respiratory rate and increased lung capacity usage. As for ranch horses and other working horses. There's an additional concern as they usually can't afford to take a couple of days of minimal work, let alone a few months. Yeah, you know, I think that is just, um, it's just one of the risk factors that's going to be there. You know, I think even those of us that can give, take days off, I mean, we certainly, I know I was guilty and I'm sure a lot of riders were like, today's the day I'm going to ride. So we're going to do it, you know, I'll just make the precautions or and so I still think, you know, giving them as much, as many breaks as you can, um, you know, is, is the best thing you can do. But certainly horses are still going to work. And if they are out in pasture, they're probably still going to run around, you know. So um, the nice thing about those horses is most ranch horses in that environment are going to live in wide open spaces, right? And so hopefully a lot of the other factors that we talked about earlier um, that are already minimized for those particular horses, you know, dust, um, barn dust, arena dust, things like that. In summary, when assessing the appropriate level of exercise for a horse during smoky conditions, it's important to keep an eye on air quality, 
take lots of walk breaks, and avoid anything that would get the horse's respiratory rate too high. Dr. Siva does also warn us to be cautious with these guidelines, however, as the limited data we have may prove that even slight exercise could be problematic. I'd been exposed to smoke from wildfires, and then they started to kind of test them right as those wildfires were ending. Um, but their average particulate matter, um, which is, if you look at particulate matter less than 2.5, which is a kind of one of the common things that we will look at for smoke, their rating was 35 micrograms per meter cubed. And if you put that onto one of these air quality index, that actually falls into the yellow. Um, and so, you know, here's all these th cases where we thought, well, as long as it's, you know, less than 100, we're probably okay to continue to work horses. But in this situation, um, in this study, there was a significant effect on those horses. So I think really anything outside of green needs to warrant caution. Hopefully over the next few years, we will see more information coming out on smoke inhalation in horses and be able to make more concrete guidelines for horse owners. In the meantime, erring on the side of caution when in doubt is the safest option. In some good news, the current data we have suggests any issues we may see in horses' lungs may be transient and go away over time when chronically exposed to low levels of smoke. The nice thing is for the most part, like when you look at this polo horse study, um, now granted they didn't really start exercising the horses until the fires were over, but most horses improved, right? So they struggled the first day and then they improved after that. And so our hope is that the lasting effects will be minimal, but that still um, is to be determined as well. As this fire season comes to a close, we can reflect on all the amazing relief efforts seen from the fire officials and the communities. If anyone is wondering how they can help in the future, Dr. Lombana explains what the AAEP Foundation is. Probably one of the best run organizations that I know of is actually through the AAEP, the American Association of Equine Practitioners, so the AAP Foundation um, is a great place when they do a tremendous amount of philanthropy and volunteer work, not just for natural disasters, but also um, it within third world countries and benefiting kind of equids worldwide. Um, so the AAP Foundation, I think, is probably one of the best places that people can send their funds to if they don't necessarily know how to help directly or there's not a good like local organization. The foundation is great. For more information on how you can help horses affected by wildfires or the effects on their health, visit aaep.org. To everyone affected by the wildfires across the Mountain West this year, our thoughts are with you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on VetCast, Veterinary Climate Action and Sustainability Talks, the podcast created by veterinary students at Colorado State University. To find more resources about this topic and details about each episode, check out the show notes. Thanks and see you next time on VetCast.